Shalom. This is Gary Duroshinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. Now, also on the 16th, after the service, we're going to have a congregational meeting. We've been planning on doing this. Uh, If you're a regular attender, if you're a member, if you're an interested individual on what's happening here at Beth Ariel, you are invited to come. And uh, I want to share with you Uh, about some of the challenges we've been facing here over the last few months. Uh, I'll talk about them more specifically, but as you know, Bob is no longer here as an elder or as a participant at Beth Ariel, as he left a few weeks ago. And Chris had also left uh, a few months ago as well. And so next week, I want to share with you some of the dynamics that are involved with that, uh, because... I just believe we need to be transparent. We need to share what's happening. Not every detail. That's not necessary. But you're welcome to talk to any of these men and, and ask them whatever they, you would like to know. And they'll tell you whatever they feel comfortable telling you. And so you're welcome to do that. But, um, but I'm going to share with you a little bit from my perspective of things. Because I think there's too many question marks. you know. And coming from the East Coast uh, and the church I was a part of there, uh, you know... We talked openly about things. So I'm most comfortable with that. And I want to answer whatever questions you might have. And I don't want you to have, you know, things in your mind and you surmise things or whatever. Uh, I'd rather help you understand what's, what's transpired. And then with regard to that, uh, we've got a number of other issues. You know, where are we headed? What's our congregation to be about? What is our focus? What should our focus be? Uh, we have issues about finances. We want to bring you up to date. Barry's been working numbers on, uh, on what's happening here financially. We haven't had a, you haven't been informed of our financial status. Uh, that is a, uh, a, a horrific, a horrible uh, you know, failure on my part because the funds here at Beth Ariel don't belong to me. And they don't belong to the elders. They belong to you. So you ought to know what the status of our giving is, what our needs are, uh, and what we would like to see happen through financial uh, responsibility and accountability. So Barry, who is great with numbers, as is Chuck, have been working on those things. And so next week, we should be able to give you some bottom line figures. Also, our goal is in January to have a full-fledged budget so that we will put before you where your monies have been going. Ministry teams will have allocations if there's enough money to have them. But if there are allocations, so they know ahead of time, here's how much money you'll be able to work with. 
and, uh, and there'll be freedom and empowerment to do their ministry as a result. And then you'll see it and we'll say, okay, this is what we need to, need to be pursuing. And over the course of the year, we'll see how we're doing. Some of us will need to give more because when we say yes to this budget, that's our budget. And we need to make sure that we're meeting the needs that we're assuming and the responsibilities, both financially and otherwise. So we'll talk about finances. We're going to talk about our, current, our status of our leadership and what's happening there. Uh, we're going to talk about this building. You know, that still looms in the, uh, the sphere. And uh, so what is the status of this? What is the time frame of it? What is the cost for it? How might we anticipate... Um, providing so as to have our own facility. So that too is what I'd like to share with you next week. I want to do all of this before I go so that during the time I'm gone, you could be praying about all these things, you could be thinking about all these things so that when we come back, we'll be ready to launch out and move forward as a congregation united around these concerns and understanding these concerns and ready to move forward. What I believe is that, and I'll talk a little bit about that, what I believe is, and I've always felt this way, but I've come to understand it or appreciate it more deeply because of some recent seminars and things that I've been able to participate in, and I'll share about those with you next week. But um, is, And I'd like this to sort of be uh, rooted in our minds. There are really two issues that are critical to me at this time, and I think should always be, the idea of what it means to be a team, what it means to be united for a common purpose. And so when you have businesses, they need to work as a team if they're going to accomplish much of anything. When you have elders, they need to work as a team if they're going to accomplish significant things. If If the congregation as a whole expects to go somewhere, we have to be a team that we are working not at cross purposes, but in united purposes, and that we are all working with regard to those purposes. So um, we have to be mindful that God has granted gifts to each and every one of us. And we are not doing our due diligence, you might say, if we're not exercising the gifts God has entrusted to us. So we need to be thinking about what has God crafted me to do and what has he desired me to be so that I can do those things he would have me to do. So there's that concept of team. And I think as that concept of team emerges and evolves, the other thing that's important is the sense of healthiness. And that's why I've talked about this. And I'm going to talk more about it next week after the service, why this is so prominent in my own thinking. So do come next week. You know, I know some of you are probably going off on vacation. You can't. But if you can, make every effort to be here next week because I think it is that important for us as a congregation. Now, what I made reference to here is the idea of what a healthy congregation is about and how a healthy congregation operates. So I just want to share with you some basic thoughts about that and about our congregation. So I've been given some thought to what is the mission of Beth Ariel? Why are we here? There's a variety of things we're about. 
But what is the heartthrob and soul of what it is we need and ought to be about? And this is what I've come up with. This is not to say this is the final thing. Maybe it'll be tweaked. Some people are going to add some stuff and it may change. But I think some key elements are here in this statement. So I believe that the purpose, the mission of Beth Ariel is to make devoted followers of Messiah. Call them disciples. But I think we need, that is our first line of business because that's what Messiah told us to do. Go into all the world and make disciples. So what does that mean? It can mean a lot of things, but we have the wrong idea about what it is that we are as a congregation. We generally think when we visit churches or visit congregations, we generally think, what kinds of programs do they have for me? There's nothing wrong with programs. But that's what we generally think. What kind of music is here? Do I resonate with it? Do I relate to it? Nothing wrong with that either. And we sometimes, or maybe oftentimes, think, do I really connect with the way this person preaches or teaches? Am I connected to that? And then there are certain theological issues. Do they really love Israel? It's going to be important for us to consider. But when Messiah gave marching orders, the thing that we're all to be about, every one of us, is the making of disciples. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I doing that? If I'm doing other things, that's good. But if I'm not doing this, that's bad. We need to be doing this. And we do it on different levels. So I'm not saying there's one way to do it or it means one thing. But it does mean that we have to be concerned about others more than ourselves. In fact, Paul says that in the book of Philippians, you know, is that we are to consider others better than ourselves. And that means we're not to be so self-focused, but others-focused. And that's the problem in the garden. When you think of what happened in the book of Genesis, the focus was no longer other-focused, it was self-focused. What do I mean? They no longer focused on God, they focused on themselves. So that when Eve saw the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it didn't matter that God said, don't eat from it. To her, it was good for food. To her, it was beautiful to see. To her, it seemed to be something that would make her wise. Her focus and Adam's was on themselves rather than on the Lord. And what did the Lord say? He said, do not eat from that tree. Now, you can ask all kinds of questions as to why he would command such a thing. But in the final analysis, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he is God and we are not. He fills the universe. We do not. He makes everything. We do not. He made us. We do not. We're responsible to him. He's not responsible to us. In the final analysis, it doesn't matter what the intention or mechanisms, or things he wanted to teach. None of that matters in the final analysis. The only thing that mattered was that they obeyed him. And their failure to do that is what has plunged our world into the way that it is today and plunged our lives into the kinds of lives that we are living. Some of that life we look at and are pleased with. Much of that life we we wish was a whole lot different. And the reason that we wish it was a whole lot different is because we simply 
had walked away in one way or another from what God had intended. So I used to tell my young people in, class, in school when I would teach them, I said, I know what you think when we look at the law, for example, and it says, thou shalt not do this or you shall do that. I know you feel really tight now. You feel really constricted. Everything's narrow. You mean I can't go over there? I got to stay here. I have to do this so I can't do that. And I used to say to my students, you know, the whole problem is we think that God is somehow keeping something from us when in reality, he's giving us the means by which to enjoy everything he has made. And so we think God's holding out on us when God is desirous of granting us all things. In fact, I was reading the book of Romans, and in chapter 5, it, he makes reference to the, to the fact, let me see if I can find this. I think it's Romans 5, I think I was reading 15, 16, something like that. Let me just read this very quick, very quickly for you as I come back to this uh, notion of making devoted disciples. But I think it was chapter 5. Um, Well, now I'm not finding it. But the, the thing that struck me about that passage, and I should have wrote it down, but the thing that struck me about the passage was that Paul was saying that because of the redemptive work of Messiah and what he has done for us, that the result was to enable us to rejoice in God fully. And so when we think about making devoted followers, we need to realize that if we do what God has called us to do, what Messiah has called us to do, go into all the world, make disciples, we're going to find ourselves fulfilled in what God's intentions for us are. And so the first order of business of Beth Ariel, and I would say any congregation, ought to be the making of disciples. I'll come back to that in a moment. But we want to make them devoted followers, let's call them that, of Messiah. So that's the second part of this thing that I think is important. Messiah is central to all that ought to be done. He is the savior of the world. He's the one that is fulfilling all of scripture. He's the reason why he has come. And as a result, we have a relationship with the living God. So the second thing I think Beth Ariel ought to be about, at least speaking chronologically through this sentence, is that we ought to be devoted to making disciples and we're making them disciples of Messiah. We're not making them disciples of our own particular theological brand of something, although we have to land somewhere. But we want to make them disciples of Messiah. We may all have a particular desire with regard to tradition, and here in the Messianic congregation, there's certainly a desire for Jewish tradition. But in the final analysis, we want them to be disciples, devoted followers of Yeshua. That can never be compromised. Now, that's not to say that if we are to do things with regard to tradition, that means, therefore, necessarily we will compromise Messiah. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am saying that whatever we do, Messiah must never, ever be left out of the equation. The, second, the third thing that strikes me here is this idea of healthiness. That we need to be healthy. And I think in many ways we are not. But the thing that disturbs me about our not being healthy is we don't really care about that. We're content 
with who we are as individuals, and to some degree, we become content with who we are as a congregation. Why? Because it's the way we've done things for such a long time. It's comfortable. It's not scary because we at least know what will be as a result. If we do something different, who knows what may happen? Even if not doing that will leave us in an unhealthy state. Because the unhealthy state is something we're more familiar with than what it would mean to be healthy. And we don't know what that looks like or what price we will pay to get there so we don't make the changes necessary to do it. But we need to be aware that we're not just desirous, or at least I'm not just desirous of Beth Ariel being a Messianic congregation. I want it to be a healthy Messianic congregation. And health needs to be evaluated on a number of levels. There needs to be theological health. So that means we have to really understand what is the scripture saying about things theologically. It means that we, we need to have spiritual health. We need to truly be devoted to the Lord. I don't just mean going through the motions. Many people pray wonderfully and read the scripture diligently and are not very spirit, spiritual people. And I'm not sure I know all the answers to this because I too, like everyone else, is a sinner. And I struggle with these things too. It isn't as if I've arrived here. But it is to say that I think God is showing me some things where I need to get to. And because I believe in this sense of team that I spoke about before, I can't get there alone any more than any of us can. But we need to face the reality of what healthiness means. And we need to take a hard look at ourselves and examine ourselves to see just how healthy or unhealthy we are. It does no good for a person who has lung cancer to imagine they don't, even though they would like not to. Because one day it's going to get them if they don't do something about it. And their life might have been prolonged a little bit longer if they had. And maybe as a result, their life would be that much more effective and meaningful and significant as it would impact on others. So I'm concerned about what it means to be healthy. And I think we all should be. And the other thing is, not only do we want to be about making devoted followers of Messiah, who is central and pivotal and the heartthrob of all that we are to be doing. But we also want to work toward being healthy. And in working toward being healthy, we not just want to be a healthy church. We're not a church in the uh, sociological sense of the term. We are in a theological sense of the term, called out ones that are members of the body of Messiah. Yes, in that sense, we are a church. But in another sense, we are not a church because we have a Jewish orientation that most, if not all, but I'll say most churches are not concerned about. They may be concerned about other things and rightly so, but we are concerned about our Jewish identity for two reasons. One, we are Jews that believe and we are non-Jews that appreciate the Jewishness of our faith. And secondly, we are called to bring the gospel to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And therefore, we must be relevant to them. Now, I understand that there are all kinds of Jewish people. There are secular Jews for whom meeting on Saturday means absolutely nothing to them. That is true. There are other Jews for whom Saturday means everything. So choices have to be made unless we have multiple services because we can't meet both times at the same time. So a choice has to be made. 
rightly or wrongly so, at the, bottom, at the end of the day, a choice is going to be made because we can't meet both times at the same time. Now, if we were a congregation of five, 600, maybe we'd meet every day of the week. But we're not there yet. We're where we are now, and so we have to make a choice. Not everybody's happy with the choice. It's just the way it is. But nevertheless, we make the choice and we move forward. It makes me think about a team again. You know, when the coach calls in a play to the quarterback, the center doesn't say, hey, man, I don't like this play. You know, I am not going to hike the ball unless we do a run play, not a pass. It's not happening. That doesn't happen. Whatever the center thinks, he's hiking that ball on a given number and everybody's going to move into place as they're supposed to. And if the place, play fails, that center is not going to get up and say, I told you, you know, I told you, this was a bad play. They're going to get up and they're going to say, we didn't run the play well as a team. The quarterback's going to say, you didn't block that guy, it hit my hand. The guy's going to say, I didn't step back casually enough or in a nice way, so I didn't get the throw as I'd like. And the receiver's going to say to the guy on the other side, he put his hand on my eye, I didn't see quite right. You know, the play didn't work because a team failed to carry out the play to the best of their ability. Not because someone sabotaged it, but there are obstacles in a way. There are weaknesses that came by. But, it, but the point is, we're a team. And as a team, we either accomplish the play together or we don't accomplish the play at all. And so, just by way of example, there are all kinds of Jewish people out there. And we try to be as relevant as we can to each and every one, because we want to see them all saved. But what we're doing here may not be relevant to every Jewish person. We know that. But it will be relevant to some, and so we're making a choice. And we're looking to see if God will honor us in that choice, and it's the choice God would have had us to make. And so here we are. I just mentioned one minor thing. But just to give an illustration of what I understand about healthiness and being messianic. You know, we're a messianic congregation. And so we need to help ourselves come to an understanding. What does that mean? And when we land there, we have to land there as a team. And once we land there as a team, there's no more conversation about this. There's no more second guessing. We now move forward as a team to accomplish what we think we ought to accomplish. Now, we may reevaluate, and we may say, you know, it didn't work too well. We're going to change it up. But in doing so, we do it as a team. And we're doing this in a congregational environment. We're not a parachurch organization. We're a congregation. We're not just a Bible study group in a large mega church that is 15 or 20,000 which we could be. We're our own independent congregation. Now, so this is what I see as our mission statement. It might change, but I think the ultimate elements are here. We're to make devoted followers. We're to make them followers of Messiah. We need to be healthy. We need to be messianic. And we are a congregation. So that's what I see as my mission. That's my job. 
as the congregational leader. There's other things too. I visit those people who are sick. I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm engaged in people's lives. Yes, there are other things. It's not the only thing I'm about. But when I stand before my maker, he's going to say to me, have you enabled the congregation of sheep that I've entrusted to you as my under shepherd? Have you enabled them to be ones who make devoted followers of Messiah? in a healthy congregational environment. That's what I believe I will have to answer for. You may not have to answer for that, but I do because God has called me to be the shepherd of this flock. And so I've got a whole thing on my plate with regard to how am I to do that job? Sometimes I do it well, sometimes I do it okay, sometimes I do it very poorly. But in each instance, This is what is on my mind with regard to my responsibility as the shepherd, as the rabbi, as the congregational leader, as the pastor, as the bishop, as the overseer, whatever terms you want to use and you're comfortable with is fine with me, believe me. So let me just say a couple of things. I know it's running late. It's about 10 after 12. I apologize. But here's the things. I've said this. Here are the four four key areas of my mission. And therefore, our mission, ultimately, is that we have a task. The task is to make disciples. That means we need to bring people into a relationship with the Messiah. It means we need to build them up in that relationship. It's a twofold process. Making devoted followers means, first of all, they have to follow him. We're not looking to make devoted followers of Gary Dorzhensky. You follow me, you fall in a ditch. We make them followers of Messiah to the best of our ability. And when people make that commitment, I will follow him and I hope you can help me to do that. Then we help to build them up as mature believers in the living God. Secondly, our focus is Messiah. Our goal is healthiness and the context is that of a messianic congregational world. So now here's the thing. I'm going to draw this to a close very quickly. We'll pick it up next week. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. That is the sense that Messiah has provided us redemption in life. You could look at it in its fuller context. And the ultimate destination, which is that we will be with him forever. Hold unswervingly to Messiah who is our hope. For he, that's our hope, we hold to him. Because he has promised things for us. He is faithful in his promises to us. I know many times, because it's true for me, I wonder sometimes. That's because I become self-focused rather than other-focused on him. And now I begin to question, are you really going to fulfill your promises to me? Because my life is really torn And it's hard and it's hurting and it has been stressful and anxiety ridding and all of that stuff as we've all experienced. And we think and we ask, will he really fulfill his promises to us? The writer wants to remind us he is faithful. We are of little faith. He is faithful. And whatever little faith we have, is because he's been gracious enough to share some of his fullness 
of faith with us. And so he is faithful. So let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's what we're tasked to do in building one another up. We're to spur one another on. And by the way, the word here is a very intense word that's used even in negative senses uh, of destruction coming on someone powerfully. It means we're to work very hard, intensely, of spurring on to love and to good deeds. So to do that, it's very interesting. He says, don't give up meaning to meeting together. In other words, if you stop meeting together, you can't spur one another on to love and good deeds. I know we don't believe that because we're not always meeting together as often as perhaps we should. You know, if we feel a little anxious or a little under the weather, I'm not going to service. I'm not going to meet together. Or I'm not going to that Bible study. I got this. And those things happen. I'm not a legalistic and fundamentalistic that you have to be here 24-7. So don't misunderstand me. But my point is the writer's saying don't give up on being together. That's the key word, together. Not just in the same room, but together alongside each other so as to spur, to encourage, to work hard on moving us all, each one of us, to a place of greater, deeper love for God and one another and a greater, deeper place of doing good. So don't give up as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another All the more, especially in our day and age, as we see the day approaching. And this is my thought. It would be great if the congregation we are committed to, as the writer to the Hebrews has told us to be so committed, was healthy. Because then it's easy. I can't wait to get to service. Because I can't wait to see the other guys, the other gals. Can't wait to be with those that are in the dance team that I get to dance with. Can't wait to be with those who are in the music team that I get to play with. Can't wait to hear what the pastor or congregational leader has to say. Can't wait to share what God has placed on my heart. Can't wait to put gifts into a basket for the glory of God. I can't wait to share with others. Can't wait to provide Uh, a cake for people to fellowship together and enjoy one another. I just can't wait. Healthy congregations stir that in each and every one of us because we all have been there at one time or another. I can remember when I first was a believer and it had nothing, it didn't have only that which had to do with me because it was so fresh and vibrant when I was 17 and so on. But I'm going to tell you, I was at the church where I had come to faith every day. I couldn't wait to get over to that place, even if nobody was there, to sit in the pew take out my Bible and start reading the different books Brother Nazarian told me I needed to read. I couldn't wait to do it. Brother Nazarian was like a 70, 80-year-old guy at the time, Armenian fella. And he had a love for young people like myself, who was not a very easy person to love. And take one look at him and say, I don't know 
about walking on the same side of the road as that guy is, is walking. And Brother Nazarian said, you know, Gary, you need to read something. Let me show you. He brought it me over to his home, opens up his garage. And in his garage, he's got bookshelves all along the wall and in the center aisles. And then he had tables. And he had a relationship, I don't know how, but with the Lazou Brothers Publishing Company, with Zondervan, with Erdman's. And whenever they printed up books that were defective. Maybe the cover was off. Maybe there was a tear in some of the pages. Maybe the fold was off. Maybe a page was, was missing. They would send him boxes of books that were damaged. And he would give them away to some of us. And he said, Gary, I want you to read this book. Gary, I want you to read this book. And also my library is filling up with damaged books. And I couldn't wait to get to the church to read the books that Brother Nazarian had told me I should read, that he would put on a table that was set aside for me when I would come in. And every day I'd be there reading. We'd have Bible studies more than one day a week. He used to play in a, uh, a Christian band that was reaching out to the community. We'd have a Friday night coffee house. We would be done at like 10, 11 o'clock unless the cops had closed us down because we were too loud for the neighbors. And then after 11, 12 o'clock, we'd go over to a friend's home in Elmwood Park, New Jersey, not far from Fairlawn and Patterson. And there were three couples, me, John, Jeff and Seal, John and Jerry, me and Mary Lou. We were 18, 19 years old, maybe 20 at that time. We were married, so it must have been 20, 21. And after the coffee house that we played, we would drive over, usually to John and Jerry's home. They'd take out the fondue that was, you know, kind of hip then. And then we'd take out C.S. Lewis. Hey, what did you guys read this week? Oh, we read Mere Christianity. Yeah, did you see what's on page 67? Let's read that together. Yeah. What do you think he means by that? And we'd be up till 4 o'clock in the morning. We couldn't get enough of one another. We couldn't get enough of knowledge from brothers of ours who had long passed and died. We'd read Eliot, we'd read Lewis, we'd read Charles Williams, we'd read Dorothy Sayers, we'd read all of these great writers and believers who thought deeply about their faith. And we would just talk about these things because we wanted to be together and we wanted to know God more deeply. And we just simply wanted to follow him. It would be great if the congregation that we're a part of was healthy because when it's healthy you want to be there you want to be with those people you want to learn from one another you want to pray with one another you want to encourage one another and you want to benefit from one another and so as I'm bringing this down healthiness is the important thing and how large we get not whether we get this building or not the important thing is not what kind of programs we can do, although my, the kids are so important to me. And the elders will tell you, when there were concerns about getting teachers, I said, I'm willing to go in there and teach the kids. You want to get someone up here to preach? I would love to be with the kids because I love teaching kids. And I think it's one of the most important things that should be on our list because they're the next generation. And if we fail there, 
It's almost like, why do anything? I mean, the Lord has just given us this morning 15 kids up here. I don't know. I didn't count. And we pray for them. And then we burn out our teachers who are investing in the most important commodity we have here. And we could all be participating. Because it's not about programs. It's not about the music. Although I love music. I love to play. And oftentimes, Edward will say, hey, do you want off this morning? Because, you know, you've been just doing it. No, 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 man. I love to play, you know. It's not the size, although I hope we'd be so effective that we'd see many more people come to faith. It's not the facility, although I love this place. I really do. I can't believe it, but I really do. And I think there's such potential at this place, not just for us, but for other ministries that we can open the door to graciously in a way in which, dare I say it, I do not believe it has been so graciously open to us. That's my own point of view. But we can do differently and we can help people around here. We can have, uh, you know, a, a thrift shop. We can have, you know, food bank for people who need it in this area. There's so much we could do if we were landed here. So much we could do with the kids during the week, let alone just on the weekend. It's about healthiness. And healthiness will have such things emerge. Now, all congregations struggle with this. There's no perfect congregation. I remember Billy Graham once saying, listen, if you've come before the Lord and asked the Lord into your life, you need to get involved in a good Bible preaching church, you know, kind of thing he used to say. And I know some of you don't want to go to a church because, you know, of problems that you had. But he said, there is no perfect church. And if you go to a church and you join it, and it was perfect, it no longer will be perfect. So listen, you know, we're going to struggle with healthiness. We're not going to arrive ever at healthiness. But we also always have to remember that's the goal. That's what we need to be moving toward. We ought to become more healthy than we were before. But we're imperfect, unhealthy people. And so there's always going to be a manifestation of that healthiness. It's there that we need the grace of God to enable us to love one another despite that. That's where we need the grace of God, to enable us to move forward together as a team, even if the guy fumbled the pass or dropped the ball. We're always imperfect. But the good news is the Spirit of God indwells us from the moment we invited the Lord into our lives to the day we die and we stand before him. He's with us in all our imperfections. But it's so hard for us to be with one another because of our imperfections. But he's there with us. So we can take comfort. We can take comfort in that. So what I'd like to do next week is basically just to reflect on these five metaphors that are used in Scripture to denote the body of believers. Sometimes the Brit Hadashah refers to us as the body of Messiah. What does it mean to be a body? That's where healthiness is really significant because we have to function as a body. And when our body is unhealthy, it's hard to function. We are to be a temple. We are a temple. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit, individually and collectively. And therefore, not only are we to function 
properly as a body in symmetry and in unity together with our differences and uh, similar purposes, many members, one body. But we're also to be a temple. We're to be a worshiping community. We're to be a community that has its one of its primary purposes, maybe the primary purpose of glorifying the Lord in all that we do. And that's another way of saying worshiping him. So we are to be, we are, we are the temple of God. So what kind of worshiping are we providing for him? What kind of sacrifices are we giving to him? What kind of offerings are we presenting? We're his temple and a temple is a place for praise. How are we praising him? With what are we praising him? And so we need to think about that. Scripture makes reference that we are ones who have entered into the kingdom of Messiah. There'll be a time when the visible kingdom will dwell on earth. But right now, there is a manifestation of that kingdom because wherever the king reigns, there is a manifestation of his kingdom. So to what degree is Messiah reigning in your life and in mine? We're to be a body that's unified, healthy, functioning. We are to be a temple that's worshiping, praising, offering. We are to be a kingdom that is in submission to the king and therefore moving forward under his authority and reaching out to the world that is ultimately going to be his entire kingdom. We can bring a manifestation of his kingdom presence into the various corners of the world in which we live and inhabit. Scripture says we are to be a bride because we are the bride of Messiah. How pure are you as a bride? How holy do you live and walk? Are you a bride without spot or blemish? Or are we a bride that is indifferent to the way we live and the way we conduct our lives? You know what a bride is like to a parent. We are the bride of Messiah. So we need to think about what it means to have God as our husband. What does it mean with regard to covenantal promises? What does it mean with respect to loyalty and devotion? What does it mean to lacking compromise and not having anyone else in our line of sight? But it is God to whom we are devoted. And it is God whom we love with all of our heart. And we do not share that love with anyone else. That's what a bride is to be to her husband and a husband to her bride. That's what we are to be to our bride. And lastly, Scripture speaks of us as a family. We are brothers and sisters. God is our Father. Messiah is our elder brother. (laughs) These are images, these are metaphors that help us understand what it means to be healthy. If we're a body, are we a healthy body functioning? Do we need medicine? Do we need amputation? Do we need rest? Do we need better nourishment? What do we need in order for our body to be healthy? 
Are we a worshiping temple? Are we giving all of our self to the living God who we are to be bowing in worship and praise? Are we manifesting ourselves as a kingdom under the authority of Messiah? Are we pure in heart as a bride for her husband and a husband for her bride? And are we truly a family that despite the challenges, discrepancies, we still love one another and we're a family that stays together and moves forward, you know, together. So next week, I want to unfold some of these ideas, but I think you see where we're going because that's what I want us to become. I want us to become all of those things to the best of our ability. I want us to always be reviewing them and always working on them and becoming more and more because if we become more and more like this, then there'll be more and more people who will want to be a part of him because they'll see what God has done in and through us to make us really special, different, unique, and desirous. So let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for time of worship and praise. We thank you, Lord, for your word that has been presented. We pray, Father, that we would rise to the challenge and to become these things which we already are, but would reflect the qualities that characterize each one of these images. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to think through how it gets done. And help us then implement what needs to be implemented so that we are a congregation committed to making devoted followers of Messiah in a healthy, messianic, congregational environment. We need your grace to do this, Lord. And so we pray that you enable us to do just that. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to Him. Do remember us in your prayers. And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.